as we commemorate his birth and we think about he's the great I am, uh, my question is, does he go home with you? And, you know, if you, he doesn't go home with you, then, uh, then something's wrong in your spiritual life. I believe that there ought to be uh, the privilege of having a Christian home. And I believe that that's one of the greatest uh, challenges in our lives is that we uh, walk the walk and don't just talk the talk in our home. And I believe that uh, God will bless uh, your uh, faithfulness in the home to be faithful in this church and to carry it out on your job. It all starts with that foundation of the home. Let's stand on the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. I say all that, I always read that verse and think about parents being grieved when children fuss. And the Bible says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling Savior. In other words, how to have a home, sweet home. But fornication and all uncleanliness and covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who, who is an idolater hath an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And be, be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkened, but now are ye light in the world, walk as children light. For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord, and having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, wherein in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in God and the, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and submitting yourselves one another in the fear of, the, of God. Now let's take it home. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as a church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot nor wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. 
He that loveth his wife loveth himself. No man ever hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of the body of the flesh and of the bones. For this cause, I want you to underline that, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you particular so love his wife as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful chapter on the Holy Spirit. Thank you, dear God, for this wonderful chapter on bringing the Holy Spirit home. And Dear God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to realize what takes place, Lord, when we bring you home. And Lord, we know that you're with us wherever we go, that you inhabit us, but God, in, a, in essence, we need to yield to you. We need to yield to you most of all in our homes. God, I cannot be a good husband. I cannot be a good father or grandfather without your spirit. Lord, I cannot love my wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it without the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, fill us, control us with your spirit, and help us, dear God, to yield to you in our homes. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Bible says in verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed into the day of redemption. I believe what grieves the Holy Spirit of God is, number one, sin, but I believe number two is selfishness. And I believe with all my heart there's a lot of selfishness going around in the homes today. A lot of people are manipulating instead of ministering. Verse 29 says that we may minister grace to the hearer. I believe one of your greatest ministries is your home. I believe one of the greatest ministries is your uh, relationship with your mate. I believe one of the greatest ministries is to raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord and let them become spirit and pray that they'll become spiritual giants for God. Not great athletes, not great stockbrokers, not, not great businessmen. And, and folks, we need all that uh, if they're spirit-filled. But I'm talking about being a great Christian. And I believe with all my heart the greatest security for a child is that mom and daddy love God and love each other, and they'll always love God, and they'll always love each other. That's security. But folks, when we bring the Spirit of God home, uh, something takes place. In verse 29, a ministry takes place. And that ministry is letting Him be who He is through you. You know, no two human beings can ever meet each other's needs. The most you can ever do as a sinner is to manipulate and folks, but when we yield to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God flows through us and loves through us and gives through us. And we'll read in, in just a moment, He walks through us and talks through us and He forgives through us. And folks, I believe the only hope for the family is God. I, God's love, God's presence. One of the evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God is that you submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's practicing the presence of God. That's how, that he's just as much real at home as he is in this place. A lot of people uh, fuss and fight all the way to church and they come into this place and the children think there's some metamorphosis about these, these walls. Folks, it's not that way. Folks, I want to tell you something. The building doesn't change you. It's the Holy Spirit that controls you. I want you to see, first of all, if you bring the Holy Spirit home and pray for me now, this is, this is, uh, this is fresh from what God wanted me to give and I just want to give you what God gave me this morning. First of all, if you bring the Holy Spirit home, it'll be a home of love. Amen? 
I'm talking about love. I'm not talking about infatuation. I'm not talking about tingles. I'm not talking about feelings. But folks, I believe love is a great feeling. Amen. But I want to tell you something. First John 4, 8 says God is love. And without God, there is no love. The most you can do is manipulate. But the Bible says that we can grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I believe when the, the Spirit of God is grieved the most is when you don't let Him be who He is through you. You don't yield to Him. You don't listen to Him. You don't uh, adhere to His leading, His promptings. Uh, folks, I believe the Holy Spirit can stay a great argument. And I believe the Holy Spirit can, uh, can uh, communicate uh, not just words, but hearts to hearts. I believe the Holy Spirit can make God's presence real in the kitchen, in the den, in the, in the hallways, in the playroom, in the children's room, in the bedroom, and wherever else you might have a room, praise God. On the back patio, praise God. The Holy Spirit can be real to you, but He's grieved when you do not let Him be who He is through you. A lot of people live double lives. Uh, they're happy and joyful and smile, and they come to church, and they, they look like uh, uh, they're just, everything's fine, but they go home and they just uh, get over it. And folks, that's not really worship, because worship changes your life. The Spirit of God will make you something that you need very bad. And we preached on this last Sunday night. He makes you tender-hearted. I want to tell you something. You can, close the, you can close the spirit of your mate just like this. You can close her spirit by ridicule. You know, the greatest mirror for her self-image is your words and your attitude, men. And I want to tell you something. You can kill a person's self-image by criticism and cynicism, taking each other for granted, uh, uh, going to things of the world like pornography and, and uh, other women and stuff. You can kill her self-image. And folks, the Spirit of God wants to affirm and edify, verse 29, and, and minister grace to the hearer. And so I believe with all my heart, one of the greatest needs in our life is to be tender-hearted. And the Bible says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger be put away. Wrath the idea of, the, of something burning within. Anger is smoldering rags that burst into a flame. It says, and, and it says, and anger and clamor, clamors that speaking loud and not listening. I mean, you get louder and louder. You get red in the face. That's literally the Greek connotation of that word. You just get, you start clamoring. You ever been there? Don't, don't raise your hand. And evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And that malice means the desire to hurt someone. You know, malice will make you say things you never thought you'd say to your mate and wish you didn't say it. Say amen. I'm telling you what, friend, listen, we ought to be... Uh, uh, converse to that we need to have uh, not bitterness and anger and clamor and evil speaking but we and malice of course not but we need to be kind one another tender hearted last week we discovered last Sunday night that tender heartedness has a prophet and that prophet of tender heartedness is kindness you know what make uh, your family more precious than anything kindness you know it's amazing how we lose our manners after we get uh, saved after we get married you know, we used to open the door for her, amen? We used to uh, prefer her before ourselves. We used to actually, men, spend a lot of money and time on her as we dated her. But now that you've captured her, it's all over. The honeymoon's over. And that shouldn't the way it ought to be, folks. I want to tell you something. Kindness means good manners. Kindness be means being a gentleman. Kindness means, uh, in essence, um, meeting the needs of your mate and not your own. 
Let me just say this, and I'll say it again tonight, because this is a series that's broke out on, on me today, is that we need to realize that, folks, uh, meeting the needs of your mate is, 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 is ministering in the fullness of the Spirit of God. Because by nature, you're selfish. By nature, you want your way or the highway, and by nature, you demand that you get what you want to get. And I want to tell you something, friend. Only by the Holy Spirit can a marriage become a giving relationship. A giving relationship. You cannot give out of emptiness. You cannot give out of the flesh. It'll demand its way every time. The greatest need of a woman is security. Romans 8 says that we're, we lo God loves us no matter what. And he'll always love us. Heights or depths or distress or perils. God's love is unending. God's love is unconditional. And men, if we're going to love our wives as Christ loved the church, we need to love her and give her the security of no matter how old she gets, let me be careful here, or how wide she gets, or how gray she gets. And remember, men, you look worse. I guarantee you, all of y'all married up. I promise you that, praise God. But I want to tell you something, folks, that you love her unconditionally, no matter how sick she gets. I remember Johnny McNeese, as he cared for his wife 15 years with that MS, and she, she just wilted away into almost a skeleton form. And he loved her unconditionally. He loved her unendingly. He loved her with no reciprocal. But bro, you could just go in her room and, and you could feel the love of God and the presence of God. And she'd always praise God for the, the suffering she was going through. One of the, one of the featured soloists of this, of this church. Beautiful lady. And just became almost a corpse in bed for 15 years. Didn't get out of bed. Stroke after stroke. And I want to tell you something, folks. The, the greatest need for her was that she was just felt loved by Johnny no matter what. And she did. Then the greatest need of a man is significance. I hate to say this, but Adam needed Eve so he could uh, have someone correct his spelling when he said hippopotamus. No, no. He needed Eve to say, hey, that's a great name. That's a wonderful, hey, that, that's great. He didn't, he didn't need someone criticizing and checking his spelling all the time. But praise God, I, I appreciate a wife that can spell. helps me a lot. But I want to tell you something, there's significance. The man needs significance. That's why our jobs are so important. We lose our job. It's pretty important. A, a woman loses her job, she just finds another one because she didn't like the wallpaper anyway. Praise God. Didn't like the boss especially. But I want to tell you something, we lose our job. That's our sign of, of attainment, of significance. And folks, I want to tell you something, the help me makes the husband feel significant. I don't mean you have to lie all the time, wise, but it don't hurt to... Stretch it a little bit when he asks you how he's doing or how he looks. But I want to tell you something. The need of a man is to be significant. Ephesians 1, 7, though, says that we're accepted in the beloved. And so, friend, I want to tell you something. That wife can never make you feel significant like Christ can make you feel significant. And if you try to get all your significance from your mate, you're going to drain her like a leech. I mean, you're going to drain her. And if you get all your security and all your love from your husband, you're going to drain him because he cannot love you like Christ loves you. So what's the answer? Be filled with the Spirit of God and you're filled with significance. You're filled with security. You're just filled with his love. And you can overflow and two people can try to outgive each other emotionally and try to outgive each other physically and try to outgive each other spiritually. I want to tell you something, friend. When two people try to outgive each other, it's exciting. There's a Greek word for it. Let me give it to you. Shazam. I mean, it's wonderful. 
Amen? I'm going back to my Gomer Powell days. But anyway, I'll tell you that you can't describe it. When two sinners die to self, sanctified by the Word, filled with the Spirit, and try to outgive each other, it's exciting. It's exciting. And folks, it sure beats manipulation and maneuvering, trying to get by with some marriage thing. Folks, it's spiritual oneness. So tenderheartedness, is a, there's a prophet of kindness, and then there's passion. That means compassion. You put yourself in their place. You really care how they feel. That's communication. You don't just share words, you share your heart. You share your heart. I mean, you care how she feels when you're telling her all. You care for her, and you, you, you asked how she feels, and, and you, you care about uh, what's in her heart and what's in his heart. It's not just words. It's not the great debate. It's not just fussing and fighting and, and bitterness and clamor and evil speaking, but it's the kindness of God. It's the tender hardness of God. Folks, there's a passion when the Holy Spirit comes home. There's a compassion. You really care. You ought to care. Because no one ever cared for you like Jesus. And then there's a pardon. It says, kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then there's a pattern. Even as Christ, for, listen to this, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. And so folks, listen. The Holy Spirit lifts Jesus. The Holy Ghost does not want to be on the sign, Holy Ghost campaign. He just wants Jesus to be lifted. That's his position. That is his, his, his office. That is his privilege to honor God. You cannot even call Jesus Lord without the Holy Ghost tell, saying, telling you and, and acknowledging how he is Lord. See, the Holy Spirit makes God real. That's why we worship in spirit and in truth. And that's how you ought to go home with a pattern of even as God for Christ's sake. How can you forgive your mate? Because Christ forgave you. And folks, the pattern for our marriage is even as Christ, even as God. Let's go down to verse 2 of the next chapter. It says, or verse 1 and 2, And be, and be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ. Go to Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wife even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so Christ's love is a model. And it's modeled through your relationship. That's what this whole chapter is about, is that we would picture Christ's love for the church. And so, friend, listen. It's not about you. This marriage is not about her. It's not about him. And it's not about them. Not, not no offense pointing down at the children. Smaller. Them. It's about Him. And folks, I'm going to tell you, when it becomes about Him, you need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Spirit to come home with you and fill you to overflowing and to help you to mortify the deeds of the flesh or you will find out that your marriage is one big manipulation. And it can be a war. Some people, I think, went to the Secretary of War to get hitched instead of the uh, justice of the peace. <laughs> Amen. I mean, God help you if that's the only thing you do is fuss and fight. God help you if that's the only thing you do is get discontented and disenchanted with your mate. Folks, there's a great life called the Christ-like love. I see the superiority of His love. 
look in verse 2, it says, and walk in love as Christ. As Christ. Folks, listen, there's nobody that loves you like God loves you. And He's unending and He's sacrificial. And folks, I see that superiority of love. Folks, the Hollywood cannot teach you how to love. Hollywood will teach you how to lust. But God will teach you how to love. And God not only teach you how to love, He will love through you. And His love will be in you. So there's the superiority of love. Don't, satisfi- don't be satisfied with second class lust. Be satisfied with God's love. Second of all, I see that Christ's love should be modeled not only that it's superior and that God's first, but that there ought to be a sacrifice. The Bible says, as Christ, it says, walk in love as Christ hath loved us and has given himself for us. Folks, listen. For God so loved the world that he gave. And I want to tell you something. There is no way you can sacrifice without the Holy Spirit in and through your life. Then it's a spiritual love. The Bible says this, and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. You know, some homes just stink. I'm not talking about too much trash in the garbage can that the teenager won't take out but once a week. That's my job now that my teenagers have moved out. I take the trash out, amen. And I'm gl- I gladly do it. Well, let me put it that way, I do it. But anyway, <laughs> spirituality. It's an offering. It's a sacrifice. You ever heard the fr- uh, f- uh, phrase, home sweet home? Well, I want to tell you something. Some homes are abomination to God. They stink in God's nostrils because there's some perversion going on. Man's in charge instead of God. Man's presence is predominant instead of God's presence. And I'll tell you something. Spirituality is that God takes your life as a sweet-smelling Savior. Actually, there's worship in the home. I don't think you ought to stay home on Sunday night because you got family time. I don't believe you ought to stay home on Wednesday night. I don't believe you ought to stay away from soul winning to spend time with your family. I believe your family ought to do it together. And by the way, if you really want to get spiritual, then give up the NFL and spend more time around the Word of God. Say, man, a lot of people say, I ain't got time to serve God. I got to spend time with my family. Baloney. You waste more time in a week than than anybody I know, praise God, and I do too. But folks, I want to tell you something. Worship is not wasteful time. I love worship. I love what happened Tuesday night when the trash got up here and started singing. Then he started testifying about his sacrifice to God. No, no running water sometimes. No electricity. No roof over his head. And then go to a village where he built a tabernacle and it might not have been much, but it was everything they had. And then he goes back to that town, and there's not a board left. There's not a tarp left. There's not, there's not a bench left because somebody stole it and used it for firewood or whatever they used it for or built their little house. And I thought, man, that's sacrifice. I'm getting all tied up in this uh, rebuilding program and this uh, remodeling program. And, you know, there's carpet and there's lights and there's, uh, taking the chandeliers out and there's changing the windows and all that stuff and I said praise God I ain't going to get wrapped up in all that I'm just glad we got a house amen and we'll, we'll make it pretty and we'll remodel it it might take a few years but praise God we're going to get there but I want to tell you this friend we ought to be spiritual when we go home we ought to be spiritual when we're in this place and folks when we do it's like a sweet fragrance to God's nostrils worship to God 
I'll tell you the most neglected ministry in the house of God and the most neglected ministry in your home is ministering to God. It's ministry to the Lord. It's not the bus ministry. It's not the children's ministry. It's neglectful around here. It's the ministry of the Lord. Do you worship God here when you come and sing a song or you just get through with it and say, why in the world are we singing every verse? You're tired of standing. Do you worship God during the preaching? Do you worship God during the offering? But let's take it home. Do you take God home with you by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, and do you have worship at home? That means you're grateful and thankful and you practice His presence and the Spirit of God fills you. Verse 19 of Ephesians 5, for joy and for thanksgiving and for mutual submission and then uh, wives submit and husbands lead and all this is one big picture of God, Christ. It models His love. It magnifies His name. It mirrors His image. Folks, listen. This marriage thing is not about us. It's about Him. And so we see the Christ-like love, but then we see the perverting of love. In verse 3 it says, But fornication with all uncleanliness, covetousness, let it not be once mentioned among you uh, as become as saints. You know, saints, we get the word sanctified. You ought to be set aside. And I believe this with all my heart. Christian homes ought to be different than ordinary homes. Your Christian home ought to be different than a lost home. That's why uh, young ladies and young men, you should never date somebody lost. And if they're not spiritual, you shouldn't date them either. Praise God, because they might be your future mate. But folks, I want to tell you something. The perverting of, of love is fornication. That means uh, uh, unwholesome uh, love uh, ex, uh, making love, and you don't make love, you express love out of wedlock. It's fornication. The Bible's strong about that. It's adultery. It's uncleanliness. And then there's uh, the corruption of uncleanliness. And then covetousness, inordinate love of things. Love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of it. And I want to tell you something, sometimes it's not to death do us part, it's to debt do us part. Say amen. Because we're trying to stay up with the Joneses and they refinance and get ahead again. So we refinance and get ahead again. And folks, financial pressure can ruin a marriage. So folks, listen, what are we to do with this perverted love? Well, verse 3, the last phrase says, it says, uh, let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Folks, we need to not let it be named among us. It ought to be absurd to bring uh, the world's music and the world's philosophy and the world's entertainment into our home and let it be predominant part of our, our, our homes and not have home devotions and prayer time and Bible reading and praise time and singing and worship in the home. Folks, you cannot just turn it on when you come in this building. It won't work. You must bring the Holy Spirit home. What's the consequences of this perversion? Look at verse 5 and 6. For this we know that no whoremongers nor unclean person nor covetous man or idolaters hath an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Folks, if you habitually do these things, you're not saved. Now, I don't, Abraham lied and, and uh, Peter cursed and Noah got drunk, but he wasn't a drunkard. And Peter wasn't a curser. Sounds like something on a computer. Cusser. Um, and folks, listen, uh, Abraham wasn't a liar. It was an exception, not a profession. If sin is, an, is a profession in your life, you're not saved. 
But if it's an exception, you need to get right with God. But look at this. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. There's a lot of homes that are under the chastening hand of God. Folks, His name's at sake, and He's not going to let His name be drugged through the, uh, the mud and, and you just uh, make Him a second shift God or leftover God. He deserves preeminence. He deserves lordship. And folks, the Holy Spirit will have me say this. He wants you to bring Him home. And He wants your home not to be just a house. He wants your home to be a spirit-filled relationship. Spiritual oneness. When you bring the Holy Spirit home, you bring love home. And folks, we see the consequences of this. Verse 6, it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. And so the company of this perverted uh, love is well to be separated. And then verse 8 through 14, we see that when you bring the Holy Spirit home, it becomes a home of light. I love light, you can tell that. We've changed those lights out on that back row. Don't turn around now uh, all week to get them bright enough. I don't believe in this contemporary Christianity where everything's dark and everything's light up here with all the entertainers and smoke coming up and rock and roll music in the background and y'all the spectators. I believe you're part of the worship. I believe it's heart to heart. But most of all, I believe you ought to be in an auditorium where you can see the Bible. Amen? Check out the Bible. Amen? Sing praises to God. Folks, I like light. I like too much light. Somebody told me one time, said, you got enough lights in here to have a suntan when you come in this room. I said, well, praise God, that's good, amen. Uh, and uh, I think they were being jestful. Uh, but anyway, look at verse 8. It says, so you were sometimes in darkness, and now you're light, and the, and the, uh, and the Lord walk you as children of light. You know, there's a, there's a dark world going on. I mean, children are brought up in some dark homes. I mean, folks, listen, mama's no longer uh, there because she's got to work all the time because daddy's forsook them. These deadbeat daddies and misdirected mamas. And I want to tell you what it comes out to. It comes out to be uh, children that are just disenchanted with everything and rebellious. What we need is train up a child the way he should go when he's old and not depart from it. But the, before there's Deuteronomy, excuse me, Proverbs 22.6, there's Proverbs 22.4 where it says humility and the fear of God brings riches and honor and life. I'll tell you something, folks. The greatest way to bring light in your, in your uh, home is realize you can't produce it. But you go home with God. And you realize there's a lot of dark, 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 dark homes in this community. And they need to have a lighthouse. To someone you're the best family they know. To someone you're the best Christian they know. And I believe with all my heart, when they go in your home, they ought to feel the presence of God. They ought to realize there's a Bible there instead of just a um, remote control. There's a Bible. There's a word on the wall. And there's a word on the front of his eyes. And there's a word in the heart. It's not just a flare prayer before a meal to prove you're not heathen, but there's a prayer in your heart of thanksgiving. And that gratefulness permeates the whole atmosphere with light, with light. You know, the Bible says in verse 4, I think I skipped that verse, it says, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting 
which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. By the Holy Spirit, you can be thankful. By the flesh, you can be an ingrate. By the Holy Spirit, you can be giving. By the, by the flesh, you can feel like your wife owes you everything, your children owe you everything, and it's all about you, and because of pride, you're all upset when the children misbehave. It's all about you. And folks, there's division and darkness. But I want you to look at verse 5 again. It says, for this know that, uh, excuse me, verse uh, 8, it says, For we sometimes in darkness, but now, but now are ye light in the, in the, of the Lord. But now. Folks, the greatest conjunction in the Bible is but now. I believe that we ought to be different. And folks, there's a deliverance through salvation. There's a deliverance through sanctification. I once uh, knew a man, he preached here uh, many times, Brother Rice, Grant Rice, that was there. And he'd always answer the phone, and he'd, al- or he'd always answer this question, how are you doing? And he'd always say, rejoicing in the Lord. He had a voice like that, rejoicing in the Lord. And I mean, he'd say that all the time. I'd try to catch him off guard. How you doing? I'd call him up in the middle of the night. How you doing? Rejoicing in the Lord. I said, you can't be rejoicing that much. And he's rejoicing in the Lord. Started 32 churches in America before God uh, took him home. But I want to tell you something, friend. There's a deliverance. And that's the joy of the Lord. Let me just say this and say it quickly. The only thing you can be in the flesh is happy. And that depends on happenings. But you can be joyful in the Lord. By His Spirit. God will give you joy. And I want to tell you something. A home of joy is worth going home to. A lot of children never want to go home. Why? Because there's no joy. Because His presence is quenched and His Spirit is grieved. What we need to do is yield. And so folks, we see the deliverance, but folks, we see the deportment of it. We walk as children of light. And the power of it is found in verse 9. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is all goodness and righteousness and truth. i got to hurry. My time's up. But folks, there ought, to be a, there, ought to be a, there ought to be some goodness in your home. You know, your children ought to have this testimony. My daddy is a good not that my daddy's a good provider and all that's important my daddy's a good this and good that and he attains this and he has this and he has that folks that's good but that's temporal it don't really mean much compared to my daddy loves God my daddy is good my daddy is good to my mama what a blessing that is say amen Boy, some children in this room would give anything if mom and daddy were together. We need to realize, folks, there's a, there's a power of walking with God. It brings goodness, it brings righteousness, and it brings truth. Amen. But I also want you to see the proving by walking in the light. It says, prove what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now, here's the bottom line. Does your home life please God? Does your thought life please God? Does the atmosphere in your home please God? Would He feel at home in your heart, but would He feel at home in your home? That's the question. I've knocked on the door a lot of times, and I could hear them in there saying, Get that out of the way. But, you know, straighten up, wash your face, and 
all kinds of going. Then they open the door and say, oh, hey, preacher, how you doing? Amen. They didn't know I heard everything they said through that thin door. And I almost fell through the door because I had my ear on it. No, not really. And uh, <laughs> folks, that is, the fear of, that is the fear of preacher. That is the fear of man. Amen? But the fear of God comes through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit-filled life, fearing, mutually submitting one another in the fear of God. That means you practice His presence. You honor Him in your home, not just in your pew. Can somebody say amen? And it don't mean you've arrived because i got three fingers pointing back at me too. Amen. And my wife ought to say amen to that. She would thank goodness. But anyway, proving. We prove by walking in the light. What do you prove? You prove you love God more than you do yourself. You prove you love God more than you do your children. You prove you love God more than you make. You prove God more than you love your house and your money and all the things of this world. You just prove it. Folks, listen, you ought to have evidence in your life to prove that you love God. There ought to be sacrifice. There ought to be priorities. He, ought to, he deserves the preeminence because He is God and He's the one that saved you. No one else has and nobody else will. He's the one that sustained you and it's only by the grace of God you have a home worth calling a home. Say amen. I don't care how much furniture you have. I don't care how many cars you have in your garage. I don't care how many thousands of dollars your home your house is worth if there is not the holy spirit of god it's not worth the paint on the lumber amen folks it's about time we had revival but it'll never start unless we start in the home prove it then i see the prohibiting by walking in the light verse 11 says and having no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them somebody got real upset the other day when i was a little critical of the contemporary uh, worship style. Oh, you shouldn't say that. Hey, listen, don't tell me what to preach, number one. And number two is, the Bible says reprove them. Reprove them. I try to do it kindly. I try to do it in context. And I don't spend all day long reproving others. I'm too busy reproving myself. Amen. Trying to get right with God myself. Have a heart for God. But I want to tell you something, folks. There is a prohibition in this walking with the light. And folks, that means that you do not go with Hollywood-style homes. You do not go with what the Joneses are doing. You don't try to keep up with the peer pressure, young people, of others. You just follow God and ask God what He wants. You be God's child. You be God's husband. You be God's wife. And then you'll have God's blessing and God's touch and God's power and God's presence. And most of all, you'll have God's love and God's light in your home. I think it ought to be a beautiful place filled with glory and grace. And that's a song about heaven. But I believe we ought to have a little foretaste of heaven in our homes. Didn't the Bible say that the Spirit of God is the earnest of heaven? That means it's a little down payment. I believe we ought to have heavenly joy, heavenly peace, heavenly purpose, and heavenly power in your home. But I want to close with this. Verse 12 says this, For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. It ought to shame us to even think about going to the world's priorities. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. You just follow God, He'll tell you what's right and wrong. Wherefore He saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Folks, when you bring the Holy Spirit home, it becomes a home of love, and it becomes a home of love and light. Light. 
His presence. You need to wake up. I'm saying that to the three people that are asleep right now. No. Wake up and repent and repent. And then I see third, and I'll preach this tonight because my time's up. And I put on myself. Nobody else does. But you're glad I do. But I look at verse 15. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the times, because the days are evil. I believe when you bring the Holy Spirit home, you have a home with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. And there ought to be a stewardship. Verse 16 says, Redeem the times. We had about 35, 36 people, maybe 30. I don't know how many. We had too, we had too many people. Uh, no, no, we didn't. We had a lot of people for Thanksgiving. Now, you couldn't even turn around. We had to eat out on the patio, and it was freezing. It was, it was amazing to have that many people in our. We had everybody in the family except three people, and that was because two, two babies were sick. But I thought about this. I thought about, man, praise God. This is a responsibility. And the reason I got such a big family is my family's grown up. And I got a bunch of grandyoungins. I said, this is all, this is, this is beyond me. They're looking up to me, me, as the head of this family. I mean, they're, they're saying, hey, uh, Papa better live right. Honey better live right. That's what she calls me, my brother Wayne. And I said, man, that's a stewardship. That I walk by the word and walk in the will of God and walk in the spirit and not get in the flesh and not be unfaithful to my wife and unfaithful to my God and unfaithful to my children and try to live in the flesh. Folks, what an awesome responsibility. God's calling us not to walk in darkness, but walk in light and walk in love and walk in the Spirit. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, is, be, ye, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Let me close by saying this. You miss the will of God, you missed it all. And if your children miss the will of God, they missed it all. I don't care how saved they are, they can live beneath their God-given privilege and live like heathens. They just won't get away with it. Say amen. They'll be under the chastening hand of God. There'll be no peace. And then it breaks my heart when I see children that were raised up in this church go out into the world and look so despondent and even put, up, put their face on Facebook and look so down and so depressed. It just breaks my heart. And I know it breaks the parents' heart. And so it's a great responsibility. Mom and Daddy, you keep your act together. You don't come just to church for, for, your, for yourself. You come to church for your children and your grandchildren. And you're faithful not for yourself, but you're faithful for them. And listen, you can fall out with me, but I want to tell you something. Your children probably think I'm a pretty good preacher, so don't roast me for evening meals. Amen? You might, they might need me one day. While you're critical and cynical and, and, and criticizing and breaking apart the message in front of them, they might just need me. And I'm not saying me is anything, but I'm just saying this, friend. We have a stewardship a responsibility to bring up our children in the nurture and admonition 
And folks, they didn't ask to come in this world. God, you brought them into this world. And I believe you ought to be good parents. And I believe you ought to put God first. And I believe you ought to yield to the Spirit of God because within you, within you, you cannot do it. You cannot make it. You cannot love like you ought to love. And you cannot rebuke the darkness because you won't even know what the darkness is. Boy, you can be filled with the Spirit of God and what happens? You start speaking to yourself. It's not a sign of craziness. It's a sign of spirituality. Just don't argue with yourself. Say amen. I often talk to myself while I'm driving. People think I'm talking to the person I'm dodging. I'm not. I often talk to myself. Now, when I'm not driving, I'm telling my wife how to drive. Shake your little head, yes, amen. And she says, you know, I don't know how I got, a, got by all these years without you in the car, praise God. And I'll sit there, stop, amen, there's a school bus four blocks up the road. You know, awful, control freak. But I want to tell you this, because I've got a spiritual responsibility to that young lady. To love her as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And I've got a responsibility to keep the joy of the Lord in my life. Speaking to yourselves in the psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart. Didn't say melody out of your mouth, because some of you, that's past you. Amen? But it's in your heart. It's in your heart. I mean, you have some joy in your heart. You know what that means? You're in tune with God, and they know it. And then what's the second evidence of being filled with the Spirit of God? Giving thanks always for all things to God. This is what I'll preach on tonight. In the Father, with the in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen, y'all need joyful, but you're thankful. What are you thankful for? You're thankful for all things. Because you know all things work together. And you're thankful for His name's sake to be feathered. That when you decrease, He increase. When you're hurt and you respond in the Spirit, He gets magnified as the grace that sustains you. Amen? So it's not all hunky-dory and everything's going to go right. Some things are tragic and some things go wrong. But folks, what matters is you're filled with the Spirit of God and you can thank God for the grace to get you through it. And your children notice you more then than when everything's going hunky-dory. Pardon the expression. They want to say, hey, well, Mom and Dad are going to fold now. No, you're not. You're going to be faithful. And then last but not least, Submitting yourselves one another in the fear of God. I'm telling you, the fear of God will make a difference. What is the fear of God? It's reverence. It's respect. You want to energize your mate? Respect her. Respect him. You want to energize your parents? Honor your father and mother. Some parent say amen right there. Honor them. It'll motivate them to be the best parents they possibly can be. If you disrespect God and disrespect them, they will be discouraged. And their wind will be knocked out because the spirit's grieved and they're grieved. And there's no spiritual walk. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Then it says, wives submit, husbands lead. And then you know what the bottom line is? Verse 27, that you might present it to him, self, a glorious church. Folks, when you bring the Holy Spirit home, 
he gets the glory. Not about you. Not about you. Not about your happiness. Not about your name. It's about him. And I believe when you bring the Holy Spirit home, yield to him, you have a, you have a house, home of love. You have a home of light. You have a home of the fruit of the Spirit, thanksgiving, fear of God, respect, joy. Who doesn't want to be joyful? How many sign up for the sad class this morning? Say amen, you know. How many wants to go home and gripe and complain all day? How many want to go home and be depressed? No. You go home with the Holy Spirit. He does all that for you. And He gets the glory. I'm glad that this marriage thing, pardon the expression, is beyond me. Or I'd try to do it myself. And I have, and I've ruined it. I'm glad that I can yield to the Spirit of God. She can yield to the Spirit of God. My children can yield to the Spirit of God. My grandkids can yield to the Spirit of God. And it don't take turkey and ham and pork loin to make us happy. We can crowd in the house and just have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> Woo! And praise God when they leave. No, not really, not really. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's bringing the Holy Spirit home. Let's pray. Father, I preach what you laid on my heart this morning. I never preached it this way. But Lord, I just wanted your word to preach. I just wanted every verse, in verses 1 through 18, 21, 27, to preach. And Lord, I believe you have. And I hope you're pleased. And I hope your people are not just pleased, but they'll be pleasing unto thee as they'll bring the Holy Spirit home.